What's up, guys? We got a very special episode for you today. This is a We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, Sports Ethos presentation. I'm your host, Sam Warlick. We're going to be breaking down opening night, the ring ceremony, and so much more. With me today, I've got special guest from Sports Ethos, Steven Vidovich. Hey, what's up, Steven? Hey, how you doing, Sam? Been a while. I'm doing pretty great. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, happy that, uh, very happy that the Warriors got the victory over, you know, who we think are our rivals in the Lakers. Uh, it's like so much fun to, to be on the opposite side of um, the spectrum after growing up watching Kobe Bryant kill us for, you know, 10 plus years. Um, so it's just, it's so much fun to be um, the favorites. And uh, yesterday's game was, was a lot of fun. I'm sure we're going to get into it, but I'm, I'm just so excited that the NBA season is back. Um, I've been doing some football work at Sports Ethos, but basketball is my true love, my true passion. So uh, it's great to be back on with you. And it's great to be talking about the Warriors. Yeah, 100%. Um, a lot of stuff to get into um i spent a lot you know i did a couple shows during the uh, off season kind of talking about the draymond the draymond pool scuffle you had some huge contract and front office moves kind of unexpected maybe for some or maybe not for others you know wiggins and pool getting paid no real no real suspension or time off or or anything for Draymond Green. And then you have the the ring ceremony, which is always fun. I thought this uh, ceremony was pretty cool. Steph Curry had um, some nice things to say about Brittany Griner and the whole ordeal in Russia. I thought that was, I thought that was really interesting. Him kind of taking advantage of the platform and having all eyes on him kind of using that opportunity to, to make a difference politically and, and socially and just kind of inform people um, so that's really cool. Good to see the Warriors kind of do that and um, be in the forefront of just kind of keeping people informed in that, yeah, this is a sport, but ultimately, you know, we're trying to improve the lives of, of everyone and call out injustices. So, you know, for sure not to say that that Brittany Griner being imprisoned in Russia um, is the most horrible injustice that's going on in the world, but at least in the basketball world, um, you know, that was kind of cool. And, and it's, and it's a controversial topic. So, you know, interesting to see him take a stand there and then, yeah, great to see the Warriors kind of come out and lay the beat down on the Lakers. You know, it, it wasn't all, it wasn't all rosy the whole game. There are definitely some moments where it's like, all right, the Lakers are going to finally put in some effort and claw back into it. But 123, 109 for the final score. Did you have any takeaways from the first game? Yeah, you know, I thought it was uh, on the ring ceremony. I just wanted to add one thing. I agree with you on Curry using his platform for for positive change in the world. I think that's great. I also found it funny that Clay Thompson continues to be Clay Thompson, and I like think he forgot something in the, his opening speech to to pass it along to Steph. So I just thought that was funny. You know, Clay just always finds a way of being Clay, and that's why we love him. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of the game itself, I thought it got off to a choppy start with both teams, which makes sense because they go out there, they warm up, and then they do the ring ceremony, and then they go back out, and then they warm up again, and you know their their minds might be 
you know, not quite on basketball uh, at that moment. And it's, it, so I thought the game got off to a choppy start. Um, both teams were turning the ball over quite a bit in the early going. Um, Warriors finished with 18, Lakers finished with 21 turnovers, but I think they both had about a half a dozen um, halfway through the first quarter. Uh, so, but I, that was to be expected, especially on a ring ceremony night. Um, other things I, I took away from the game, uh, I really liked the play of Dante DiVincenzo and Jamichael Green. I think they're going to be great veteran additions to a very, very young bench group that I think will be exposed at times this season when uh, injuries strike. Um, just because, you know, uh, Kaminga, while he has his flashes, um, he, you know, he, he's going to continue to struggle in his second season in the NBA. I think he's going to get more opportunity. That's going to help. But um, I do think that um, the signings of DiVincenzo and Green are going to be huge because we're looking at a really, really young bench unit uh, behind, you know, one of the best starting lineups in the NBA. So uh, they'll be able to handle that. But I just think that the, the youth of the bench will be exposed at some point this season. Yeah. Yeah. hundred um, percent. I liked your comments about, about Clay Thompson. Yeah. Steph Curry is like kind of talking to somebody um, who's kind of organizing something behind the scenes and like, Clay, wait, come back. It's like a video. There's, yeah, there's a little bit of a miscue there. Um, and for the, for the listeners out there who, who aren't really aware, Clay is kind of known as this kind of like dorky, geeky guy. He's just kind of in his own space. So really just classic, classic Clay in that moment. Like I'm sure they had some kind of plan and it just totally flew over his head in the moment. Um, and it was, it was a lethargic start, right? That's always the, the issue with the opening night ring ceremony you just got all this emotion and you got all your friends and family there it's so distracting and then you gotta get yourself up to play the lakers who you know i mean we saw we the warriors hardly came out with any type of cohesion early on but nor did the lakers both teams were shooting so poorly from three and you know the one thing that that really stuck with the warriors and carried over from last season was the defense um everyone was locked in defensively there weren't really a lot of holes we dared them to shoot a lot of threes they missed a lot of threes we started turning it over uh late and that gave the lakers some life i was impressed in watching lebron james and anthony davis play in transition when they finally decided that they could and westbrook too all three of those guys when they find it when the lakers finally decided that they were going to get some stops and run it on the warriors i mean lebron just had some really nice takes and finishes over wiggins over wiseman basically everyone and, and he wasn't it wasn't like lebron was getting all these ticky tacky foul calls either there's a lot of a lot of plays where it's like two or three warriors draped around lebron and he's just finishing in traffic davis had some nice finishes too um, so they showed some flashes, but, you know, health is going to be an issue. That roster's got um, some holes in it for sure. I, you know, I think there's all this hype on, on the Warriors youth. Um, but like you said, you know, Steve Kerr, as we know him too, he leaned on the veterans. So Kaminga saw 13 minutes. Um, Moses Moody only saw seven and a half minutes. Uh, Wiseman was out there for 16 and a half minutes, but it was Jermichael Green, 23 and a half minutes. Uh, DiVincenzo, 21 and a half minutes. And those guys contributed. I mean, Jermichael Green looks 
very spry um, compared to how, you know, what I was reading the Denver people feeling about him. They're kind of like, this guy's kind of washed. I mean, Green comes out there. He's grabbing offensive boards. He's knocking down open threes. He's making the right plays. I mean, this guy's going to be contributing for sure on the season. A guy that can play the four and the five um, has that Otto Porter Jr.-esque nature and just being able to do a lot of little things and intangibles. He doesn't need the ball in his hands. He just kind of fits in pretty seamlessly. Uh, so I was really impressed with his play. DiVincenzo, too, he made some mistakes a little bit, I'll say. Um, mm-hmm. He had four turnovers in the night. Some of them were a little sloppy. But, you know, part of that is just the learning curve, right? They're, they're putting the ball in his hands to run the second unit along with Jordan Poole at times. So that that group needs to kind of get some cohesion a little bit. Um, you know, it was DiVincenzo with four turnovers, Jordan Poole with four, four turnovers, and Steph Curry with four. So those three guys were the main were the main culprits from a turnover perspective. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think Dante had like, you know, he had a few um, unforced turnovers, which were a little disheartening to see, but I, I think that's going to fix itself over time um, as he gets more comfortable with his teammates and more comfortable with the system. Uh, I, I like what you said about LeBron and AD. And I, I think uh, AD really impressed me in the game. I, I thought he could have even been more aggressive than he was. Uh, it looked like he was able to um, get what he wanted against Kevon Looney. Um, and when they went with Draymond, I felt like Draymond did a better job holding up against Davis. Um, but I, I, I really liked what I saw from AD. And of course, LeBron at age 38 continues to just, you know, defy <laughs> father time it's just unbelievable how he's able to um do whatever he wants on the court although that one um offensive foul that got called back i believe he tra- uh, he traveled on that play so i was a little uh disappointed that um that that ended up getting reversed but you know it happens yeah and this is this is the disheartening thing for laker fans i mean first play of the game kavon looney's uh picking up davis gets called for the foul very next play, Davis goes one dribble to the rim because Looney doesn't want to pick up a second foul. And it's like, oh, man, Davis is going to be a handful. And then they didn't really go to that action the rest of the night where it was like Davis on the low block. It was mostly, um, you know, Davis getting fed off of passes, um, not really posting him up. So, yeah, I think and I, I agree the the adjustment by the Warriors of putting Draymond on Davis, who's historically done a very good job of shutting him down. But you just see glimpses of where the Lakers have the potential to offensively be a force to reckon with when just Davis is such a handful, but then not having the um, not having the discipline to go to the matchup and the advantage that you have on the floor. And instead it seemed like you had all of these, all of these guards and wings on the Lakers trying to prove that they can knock down an open three and just none of them were falling, whether it was Lonnie Walker, Kendrick Nunn, Patrick Beverly, Toscano Anderson, plug and play your, your player, not named LeBron or Anthony Davis. Um, and nobody could hit a three for the life of them. Um, so that's yeah, going to be I, I believe they started two for 20 from behind the arc. I mean, yeah. 
It yeah, one for bad. eleven at one point for sure. <laughs> yeah. It was really bad. Uh, if they didn't uh, start to heat up a little bit uh, at the end of the third, when I think, or it was at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth, when they started to make a little bit of a comeback before the Warriors put a, a final nail in the coffin. I think the Lakers got it to twelve, and it seemed like it was kind of a game. Um, even though the warrior fans left the building early, it seemed right. <laughs> um, <laughs> while it was still a game, but then the warriors uh, put the nail on the coffin there. And then that was nice to get the win. But um, I, I totally agree with you. The Lakers guys are all trying to prove that they're shooters. And I mean, uh, as a, as a huge JTA, like fan of his story, it was disappointing. I wanted to see him hit a three. I mean, that's, that's the main reason why I don't think he's, got a huge role in front of him in the league is because he can't shoot. If he could shoot, then he could be some, but something in this league. Um, but without being able to shoot, he's going to be just like an energetic bench player. Um, I think Beverly will have better nights. Um, although when he shot, I think it was the second three after missing the first one badly on like a pull up in that first quarter, it was like, what are you doing? Uh, Beverly and and I I agree with your sentiment about uh, all of these guys trying to act like they're three point shooters, um, all except for Matt Ryan, uh, who yes I believe he is a very good shooter. I guess he went one for three on the night, but um, that guy can shoot the three. Yeah, and for for Toscano, you know, real real quick thought on that. Um, it kind of goes back to the Draymond Green comparison because I think Toscano's value is being able to switch one through five, but he's an undersized forward. He's an undersized forward at best. And so for other teams, if they don't have a switching mentality, you really take away his appeal and upside. So you're right. If he's not spacing the floor hitting threes or in the middle of action of being able to move pass and cut and move the ball, He's, he doesn't really have an edge that he's giving to his team. And that was the, the challenge for the Warriors in keeping him, uh, at least from my perspective, is he succeeded as the mini Draymond when he played the small five role. Um, last season, they wanted him to play the three, and he struggled. And so there wasn't really a place for him on the team at that point because they had other options. They had better options at the, at the four and five spot. Than, than Toscano Anderson. And he really succeeded when he was like a five, when he was a super small five and the Warriors could switch because he was, you know, he's good defensively. Um, so that's, that's just the challenge. And it also kind of, um, yeah, it's too bad, right? Obviously, you know, you want, you want your guys to succeed. So we'll see, you know, it's still young in the season, one game in the books, maybe uh, I think, I think they signed Toscano to a, a one-year deal. I don't think it was a two-way or anything like that. So he's got certainly going to be opportunity for him to uh, right the ship there. I think for the Warriors, he did shoot like 40% from three one season. So maybe he can get back to that. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Obviously, rooting for him, don't want him to fall out of the league. Um, we actually just got some some interesting news. The, uh, the Timberwolves waived uh, Eric Paschal, who was on a two-way deal um, earlier today. So other, you know, ex, ex warrior, sad to see him, you know, hopefully he gets another opportunity, another shot with another team, um, you know, drafted by the warriors late first, I think it was like 35th, if I'm not mistaken. So the second round, early second round pick played really well on that 1920 team. Um, 
traded to the Jazz, didn't really do much with the Jazz, and then uh, picked up by Minnesota and then cut um, today. So, yeah, on just the, a little side point there. On the Pasco thing, I was reading um, something from Minnesota beat reporters, and it seems like he has some like ankle Achilles like uh, injury. I don't know if it's like soreness or some sort of tendonitis in, in that area. And that's uh, why he was ruled out for the game tonight before getting waived. So I think that he uh, unfortunately is unhealthy right now. Um, and per, I'm hoping like you that uh, he can get back fully healthy, maybe uh, prove himself in the G league once he gets back to full health. And I think he'll get another shot in the league as a, as a two way, you know, energetic rebounding, rebounding forward um especially if he could work on his uh his the defensive side of the court i think that would go a long way in, in helping him uh get back in the league nice good good aside i didn't uh, i didn't catch that um cool let's get back to this uh this warriors lakers game um jordan cool man he he came out locked in that was really great to see him come off the bench and hit those two threes that was really big i felt like for our offense I thought it was big for Jordan. It was, it was definitely a statement for Jordan Poole. It's like first shot he gets is a pretty sweet step back three. That was nothing but net. Um, Poole on the night struggled shooting four of 15, two of nine from three, but seven assists. I think that's the most notable thing that stood out for me in 28 minutes, which was the third most on the team. Curry played a shade under 33. Wiggins played 29 and a half and Poole got 28. And change so um clay thompson is going to be on a minutes limit of about 16 to 20 minutes a game for the foreseeable future um he wasn't you know he had that mental block in um during the summer uh not wanting to re-injure himself doing uh scrimmaging and, and open gym stuff so he wasn't really fully conditioned coming into training camp and they're just kind of moving him along slowly but he looked pretty good 18 points on six of 13 shooting two of six from three, four or five from the free throw line. Um, but Jordan Poole, I think that's kind of the next evolution to his game, right? Last season, we really saw him be uh, successful as a scorer on all three levels from the three point line, from the foul line and attacking the rim. Um, so if he's able to really add that facilitating role to his game, that pairing with James Wiseman, he had some really nice finds and that's just going to really open up things for the Warriors taking the ball out of Steph Curry's hands, just letting Jordan Poole do more than be uh, a scorer or initiator, but also um, distributor. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, last season, I think the Warriors signed uh, Chris Chioza on a two way because they wanted some insurance point guard depth and, and they didn't need that this year because um, they're expecting Poole to take that next step as a point guard. I love the seven assists. One other thing I really liked about uh, last night's game is seeing Jordan Poole play with James Wiseman. Uh, I think that's going to be uh, a pick and roll combination that's going to work for uh, in the second unit for the season. Uh, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, watching that, you know, for over the next several years, the next iteration of the Warriors, let's say. Um, I, I really am excited to see their chemistry together, uh, Poole and Wiseman specifically. Yeah, and, and kind of a nice segue there. James Wiseman, obviously his first regular season action in 
I think it was uh, like uh, April of 2021. Um, no, 2020. No, 2020. Sorry, yeah. 2020. Man, so it's been a long time since we've gotten some uh, regular season NBA action from James Wiseman. He looked good, obviously. Uh, 0 for 4 from the foul line, which is a point of emphasis for him. He's obviously got the the jitters. Um, saw him in, in summer league in the preseason doing pretty well from the foul line. Not not great, but definitely better than 0 for. Uh, some really nice finishes, though, inside. Um, I think that's going to be just bread and butter for the Warriors, kind of that JaVale McGee spot where he can be a finisher, a dunker at the rim. But also, it's not just going to be alley-oops. Um, he can get it in transition or in the paint and just finish over people uh, or finish through people, too. So I think that Wiseman's got a great opportunity in front of him here. Um, Draymond Green only played, you know, 24 and a half minutes. So uh, Kavon Looney played 20 minutes. I mean, Looney doesn't need to be, you know, Draymond, Draymond Green and Kavon Looney don't need to play 30 minutes, either of them, really. I think this is a great spot for Wiseman to hover in the 15 to 20 minute range. Um, he got a block defensively. You saw the patience he had defensively, only two personal fouls. Um, just being able to change shots. I forget who, forget the play where he got the block, who, who it was against, but you just saw him have the patience to go full vertical. And he's just, you just saw his length on full display because he just, it was such an easy block for him, but he didn't overthink it. He didn't rush things. You just see the game slowing down for him on both sides of the floor. The timing on offense is really nice to see. Um, He's, he, hit the, he hit a mid-range jumper, so that's good. I just was overall impressed with James Wise. I mean, it was a good building block. Obviously, there's a lot to improve on. You don't want your, your center going 0 for 4 from the foul line. Um, but 8.7 boards and a block in 16 and a half minutes, 4 of 6 from the field, definitely not a bad start. Yeah, absolutely. And then the thing about the free throw line is what I want to see is I don't mind the 0 for 4. I just hope that it, it doesn't deter him from going to the rim and, you know, trying to get more fouls to get himself back to the free throw line. I don't want him to be uh, scared of getting fouled because uh, of the poor free throw shooting from the opening night. So I hope that that doesn't happen. It didn't seem like it was the case um, uh, last night, but uh, just, or on Tuesday night, but just something that, um, I'd like to keep note of moving forward for him, but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about Wiseman at the, um, you know, I try to be a little bit uh, conservative with my like beliefs of potential for players. And I'm starting to believe that James Wiseman uh, could be a starting center in the league. Um, I'm not going to go further than that at this point, because, you know, we've seen one game since, like you said, 2020. Um, But I, I do think, he has the potential to, to be a starting center. And I, I really like that, uh, especially for the Warriors who um, really need some, some center depth. So. Yeah. Good point for, for young players. It's about keeping your confidence, sticking with the plan, not overreacting. So being aggressive, attacking the rim, getting fouled, you're going to hit your free throws. Just stick with it. Big man. Yeah, exactly. I love that. And I mean, yeah. Warriors are going to be scary, man. If Wiseman can be, any type of consistent, you know, 10 and 10 and seven with some 
you know, verticality and, and rim protection and not fouling out in 10 minutes and, and just continues to build on game after game after game. After game. I think it's going to be interesting um, jumping ahead real quick to the, if assuming the Warriors make it to the postseason, I don't think that's a big if, you know, I think the Warriors should be favorites to barring uh, some to catastrophic catastrophic yes. injury yeah um it's going to be interesting to see what steve kerr does with the rotation we saw last season you know despite promising play from moody and kaminga who filled in for injuries at times they you know each had some small opportunities here and there but he mostly played the vets and i don't i really don't feel like this season is going to be much different you've got jermichael green and DiVincenzo who fill in the GP2 and Otto Porter Jr. departures, um, you know, and I think Wiseman situationally, but you still got your main guys, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, who are going to soak up the majority. So I think that this is really great regular season development, but I think, you know, I'm really one game in, um, and of course, you know, Warriors have 15 back-to-backs this season. So there's going to be plenty of opportunity for these young guys to play. Guys are going to get rested. They're going to be managed minutes wise. Um, but I think come postseason, I still think we're a few years away from seeing James Wiseman in kind of a premier role or, or Jonathan Kaminga and, and kind of this um, thrust into this major rotational role where they're able to, to really impact the game and, and their, you know, their box score reflects, um, reflects the same. Yeah, that's a great point, Sam. I, I, I totally agree with you on the, the, I guess it would be an eight man rotation, uh, the starters, uh, the two vets they added and Jordan Poole uh, as like a playoff, you know, initial playoff rotation. But I do think Wiseman has a shot at being the ninth. Um, I believe we had nine guys last year, right? Bielitsa was like right on the fringe of like a, a playoff rotation guy. I think if Wiseman does enough this year, he can be that ninth, um, that ninth guy in a playoff rotation who, like you said, he's not going to be a premier player, um, but I could see him, you know, maybe getting uh, eight to 14 minutes off the bench in, in certain postseason matchups. Yeah, totally. No, I agree with that, especially because what he brings, he brings something to the team that nobody else brings with his athleticism, size and rim rim protection. So you throw him out there to soak up some fouls, finish some plays. Um, Sure. Would have been nice to have him against maybe like the Memphis Grizzlies or the Boston Celtics last season, just for some more athleticism and size. Um, one guy who I think is on the outside looking in a little bit is Jonathan Kaminga. And I don't think that's anything against Kaminga. I just think that positionally they've shifted him over to small forward when all the forwards in front of them, in front of him are healthy. You've got Draymond Green and Kevon Looney and Jermichael Green. Well, I guess Looney's playing more the center. But when Draymond Green and, and Jermichael Green are both healthy, Kaminga's minutes at power forward, I think are just really not there. And he's mostly being asked to play the three. And it seems like as the small forward, they're, they're really focused on not his scoring, but his defense. They want him hounding the ball, super aggressive defensively in the passing lanes. And we saw some of that in 13 minutes, he got a block. He had some really nice hustle plays that didn't um, 
that didn't end up being steals, but just deflections out of bounds. 0 for 3 from the field, 0 for 2 from 3. The offense was a little shaky for him, um, but he still got three rebounds. So, you know, I, I'm still really high on Jonathan Kaminga. It'll be interesting to see how he adjusts to that positional change if he really buys into all of that and continues working on his game and isn't discouraged by the low scoring because last season he you know he subbed in for Draymond Green when when Green missed those 20 to 30 games and Kaminga was like you know uh 10 to 15 points off the bench easy easy money for a good chunk of of those games consistent offense off the bench sometimes starting just finishing, doing a lot of finishing that that James Wiseman's kind of doing now, or Michael Green's doing now. Yeah, you, yeah, you make a great point on the, on the whole positional change. Um, and here's a question uh, I have for you: is on this like whole power forward, small forward thing? So we're talking about you know there are going to be some back to backs where Draymond's going to sit out, maybe Jermichael Green misses some time. Um, in those situations, do you think the Warriors? would be best suited to switch Kaminga back to his like more natural position of a power forward, especially on offense? Or do you think that it's best to keep him in um, the same role as a small forward, regardless of who's playing around him to try and um, get him to improve at that position, if that's what they want to play in the future, more like a philosophical coaching question. Um, What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's a good question. I would say um, at least what we saw in the preseason, Jermichael Green missed a game. I think he missed the dress rehearsal game against Denver. And Kaminga played the power forward spot, filling in for him. So I think I think ultimately you want Kaminga to be versatile. So I don't think you want him to just solely focus on playing the three. So if there's, if there's injuries or rest, I think if there's opportunity for him to play the four or the five, then they'll give him those opportunities and, and give him a chance to kind of shine in, in a different role. But if everyone's healthy in, in, the, lo- in the rotations, you know, normal rotation, then I think they're going to have him continue to solidify his, uh, his play at the three. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, a game like last night where the Warriors – you know, were able to uh, beat, you know, what, what seems like a lesser opponent right now. Um, it, it's nice to give him reps at a position that he's not as comfortable with while he's so young uh, so that he can learn from his mistakes, look at the tape, uh, et cetera. So I, I, I like what you're saying there. And, and I, I agree with you that, that that would be the case that that's going to happen this season. Yeah. And then, also, um, another guy who's kind of on the outside looking in, Moses Moody, who only saw seven and a half minutes. I actually thought Moody was the most polished of the young players. That was kind of the vibe we all had coming into the regular season. Obviously, it's just one game. Seems like he's kind of on the outside fringes, although Moody looked super confident and locked in when he was on the floor for seven and a half minutes, only one of three from three, but all three of his looks look like money. So in those situations where Kaminga is going to slide up to the four, now you get more opportunity for Moody to play the three. Um, So I think that's the other side of it is positionally playing around with, with these guys. Cause 
Kaminga and Moody, especially, and we, we haven't even really talked about Patrick Baldwin Jr., who um, I think had a minor ankle ankle tweak and they decided to hold him out. Also, also he's probably at the end of the rotation for the, for the 14 man rotation. Um, they want these guys to be able to play multiple positions, right? That's the future of the NBA. You don't have like your uh, set. You don't have guys who can only play one position. You want this positionless basketball. Um, so whether you're playing the two guard, the three, the four, having these guys with size and length and speed who can do all of that and slide around just gives you more options as a coach. So uh, for Kaminga and Moody, I think they can all fill in, you know, for, for Moody, it's probably the two or the three. I don't think, I don't think Moody plays the four. Uh, Kaminga could probably play the two, three, or four, or maybe even the five. So, or probably play one through five. I mean, they put the ball in his hands in, in summer league in the preseason um, as kind of the, as the point guard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on, on Moody getting like uh, fewer minutes than, than uh, Kaminga on in the opener on Tuesday, I think that might end up flipping uh, at times this season. I could see it going back and forth. Um, I see both of those guys as like, uh, I guess it would be the, what, the 10th and the 11th uh, players in the rotation uh, behind Poole, Green, Wiseman, DiVincenzo. So I could see there being some games where Moody comes in and plays more than Kaminga. Um, I, I really like uh, how in control he is of his game. And he seems to know his role very well. Um, he could shoot the lights out, in my opinion, that I agree with you on all three looks, even though he went one for three, they looked really good out of his hand. Um, and I, if I was to guess by the end of the season, I would say that their minutes per game are really close between Kaminga and Moody, with maybe a slight edge towards Kaminga because of the draft investment and the higher upside that um that his um body basically dicks dictates i like that that's a good point because like we just said moody's got a pure shot from three so there are going to be times where we need more offense on the floor and and also um steve kerr holds a lot of weight on practice too so i think um one of the last practices coming into the dress rehearsal pre last preseason game, Steve Kerr had really talked up Jonathan Kaminga that it was like the best he'd looked in a practice. And so Steve Kerr rewards that, right? Guys are working hard in practice and doing what they're being asked and, and playing well, that equates to a little bit more playing time. But also Steve Kerr likes to, to mix it up for those guys at the end of the bench. This is the same issue this Warriors team has had in the past, not really last season, but in other in other um, contending seasons where the Warriors are just loaded with depth, sometimes it's going to be your night and other times it's not. We saw that with Damian Lee and Toscano Anderson and Bielitsa. Um, it, he just kind of mixes it up. So Moody and Kaminga, definitely different, different looks as far as what they give you on the floor. And uh, yeah, I think, I think that I agree with you. They'll probably be similar in minutes played when all said and done by the end of the season. Both really exciting young young prospects to uh, continue to watch their development and growth. We are so spoiled. We are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, very excited. Uh, what do you think about the upcoming game on Friday? 
Yeah, that's going to be a really interesting match. The Denver Nuggets, obviously, we got to look at them uh, in in the last preseason game, but that was without Jamal Murray. Um, it's going to be it's going to be one of many tests for this Warriors team for sure. Obviously, Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray. I think a lot of people have the Denver Nuggets finishing as a top tier Western Conference team. Maybe not quite in the same tier as the Warriors or or maybe the Clippers, but um, definitely up there in the top four, I'd say. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how um, Denver responds. They've got a few new pieces on that team. They lost Will Barton. Um, they added they added uh, Caldwell Pope. You know, trying to get trying to and also um, Monte Morris, who was a big piece of that team. But I think you know you've got the reigning MVP and uh, Nikola Jokic, so um, he's always going to be quite a handful to deal with. And, um, you know, one thing that really struck me in that last preseason game was the Wiseman-Jokic matchup. There were definitely a few plays on offense where Wiseman just went white, right through Jokic to, uh, to finish at the rim. So that was what I think really impressed me um, in watching Wiseman's growth and development. Like, here's, here's Nikola Jokic, who's not necessarily known for being, like, this incredible defender in any way. But still, here you are, like, you know, year three for Wiseman, but barely played that much in the NBA and confidently taking it to the rack against the reigning MVP and Nikola Jokic. Yeah. I, I saw the same thing in that preseason game. Uh, it was so much fun to watch. I got so excited watching Wiseman dunk over Jokic um, and a lot of other Denver nuggets in that game. He was really aggressive. Uh, I'm really excited to see uh, how he looks on Friday. He's, he's definitely um the player I'm most interested in watching their development this season is James Wiseman. Um, I, I think the Nuggets will present a much more challenging test for the Warriors. Uh, I could see it being maybe a wake-up call kind of a game where the Warriors, if they come out as flat as they did to begin the game, which you know maybe they won't, there's no ring ceremony, that's all in the past now, but if they come out flat... Uh, I, they have a team across from them that is uh, has a lot more depth than than the Lakers, uh, as we saw on Tuesday. So I'm very interested to see how they uh, how they come up um, against Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. It's gonna be it's gonna be a great game. Uh, I honestly have no idea who's gonna win it. <laughs> right and, and we're all going to overreact whether the warriors win <laughs> or lose right because that's that's the best thing about being a warriors fan the teams under a microscope um end up on a pedestal at the same time so they have all these expectations um but critics lurking around the every corner but but i do think that this is going to be like the real first game of the season opening night the lakers just like a lot of uh, lethargy on both sides. This was, this wasn't really a serious game, um, for opening night, I would say. So I think this is going to be a game that both teams have circled on their calendars as far as we really want to make this a statement game and come out and get the win. Um, I agree with you. It's going to be interesting to see how either team performs. There's going to be question marks on both sides. Uh, we're going to need a lot more offensive firepower, I think. Um, and I think that the Nuggets are going to definitely pose a, a much 
much more significant challenge on both sides of the floor than the Lakers did. And uh, if we turn it over uh, 18 times and, you know, shoot 16 of 45 from three, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to go for us. Yeah. And, and I think Denver might be hungrier uh, than the Warriors, unfortunately, because um, we beat them in, in the playoffs last year. There might be a little bit more uh, hunger on their end. I hope not, but that's just uh, a, a sneaking feeling I have about, about Friday's matchup. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that's going to be a trend throughout the season, right? I think the Warriors really had a sense of urgency last season from the first game of the season because nobody had the Warriors anywhere near finishing at the top. And so everyone had a chip on their shoulder and we really just came out and blitzed the league. And now kind of as the reigning champs, you're out here trying to trying to repeat and defend the championship, but it's a little bit different. Um, and then you've got all of this depth and, and you've got these guys who just got paid and the vibes are definitely different. So I agree with you. We're going to see, you know, who's, who's got that edge and who's hungrier. And is that enough to be the deciding factor in, uh, and who comes out on top? Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Um, I'm very excited for the upcoming season. Uh, the one thing though, that, uh, the Warriors have in their favor in that respect of like, uh, you know, championship hangover is that they've been here before. And I think that makes a difference. Like not everybody on the team has been there before, but the core guys have won a championship and then gone through maybe a little bit of a a lethargic start to the following season. um, Not having that edge uh, that a Denver Nuggets team will most certainly have this season. Um, I, I do think that works in their favor. Yeah. Yep. I agree. So, Stephen, um, you got anything else cooking over at a Sports Ethos that you want to give a little shout out to? Yeah, um, I would uh, recommend everybody who uh, follows uh, fantasy basketball who plays fantasy basketball we just uh, released um or we transitioned from our draft guide which i hope uh helps you guys win your fantasy basketball leagues over to fantasy pass so you can get a five dollar monthly subscription and you basically get access to all of the pros all the fantasy advice we got q a's with just the pros every day um we got articles pumping all the time uh, daily, weekly articles, dynasty content, um, projections, just everything that you'd possibly need to help win your fantasy basketball league. Uh, I'm in probably too many <laughs> leagues myself, but uh, very excited uh, for another fantasy basketball season. And if anyone is a uh, fantasy basketball fan or fantasy football, we got fantasy football cooking. We got some baseball stuff um, in there. And if you play DFS, Daily Fantasy, uh, we got that. I gave out Andrew Wiggins plus five and a half rebounds in Tuesday's game. And it barely hit. Uh, He got six. Um, But I I love Wiggins' ability to rebound. I I, I really think um, that our pros who give out uh, player props and and DFS picks of the day are are the best of the best. So come on in and uh, join the party. Thanks, Steven. Yeah, I, I myself uh, am in a few fantasy leagues as well. Um, you know, it's it's all crazy that that first week of the season, you're like 
desperately trying to get to the wire and pick up those guys that nobody drafted. Um, somebody over on the Memphis Grizzlies is, is catching my eye, that rookie. Um, Santi Aldama. Yeah, Aldama, yeah. He, Already got 17 and 10 in 27 minutes. You know, Brandon Clark ooh. was thought to really fill in for uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., but uh, they like uh, they like Santi, I guess. He can shoot three. I mean, 17 and 10 in your first game. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, he's going to be a hot pickup, no doubt. Well, um, cool, man. Always appreciate you taking the time to jump on the show. Let's go Warriors. I'm sure we'll have you back again soon. And um, this is going to, the season's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and I'm sure we're going to have a ton more to uh, get in and talk to as everything kind of unfolds here. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to be on Sam. I uh, look forward to listening to the next one and uh, catch you next time. Sounds good, man. You take care. All right. Bye-bye. And once again, this has been a, we believe golden state warriors basketball podcast sports ethos presentation Please give me a follow over at Twitter if you haven't already. That's at SD Orlick. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll catch you on the next one.